We believe running is freedom and empowerment. We believe running solves problems and makes people happy. We even believe that if more people run, the world will be a better place. We believe in running because it is our passion. This is the Big Peach Running Company Run ATL Podcast with your host, Mike Cosentino. Hello, everyone. My name is Mike Cosentino, and this is the Run ATL Podcast. Happy New Year to you as this is our first episode of 2018. It's a new year, but I have my same dear old co-host and our executive producer with us today, Dave Martinez Returns. Dolomite, Dave, welcome to 2018 and to our inaugural audio journey this year. It is good to see you. Good to be back. Happy New Year to everyone. And you have been gone and doing some traveling for your holiday season. So I wanna, when I say it's good to see you, it really is because it's been a while since I've laid eyes on you. It, it has been, yeah. I uh, actually went down to the Orlando area to visit my uh, uh, parents. They live down in, uh, in uh, just outside of Orlando. And I got to see some friends. So it was good to kind of catch up with friends, see family. Awesome. Um, but of course, being Florida, being that it was warmer, being that it's flatter and there's no hills, I obviously got you know, <laughs> quite a few runs in and I was very consistent with my training there. But I also went out to, uh, in the previous podcast, Sean and Gormy mentioned, you know, the 10 mile clay loop. So I headed out there. Yes, he did. And that's, uh, you know, <clears throat> uh, west of Orlando, in, uh, just uh, in, in Claremont. And it's about 45 minute drive from where I was at. And so about an hour and a half drive time there and back. And, you know, I have this guideline that if I'm going to go drive someplace and drive a, a distance, that I have to actually run, you know, that amount of time or longer. So I'm going to be out there for an hour and a half or longer. And not to mention that there were toll roads to get there. So I spent six bucks. So I'm going to make it. Wow. You're, you. you're invested both time and money. Exactly. Training run. Exactly. So I did go out there. I did get a 15 mile uh, run in, and you know, if uh, if you look up, you know, 10 mile clay loop, you'll you'll find some images, and we'll uh, include uh, a link in the show notes because they have their own Facebook page and articles have been written. Excellent. But it's not the most like picturesque. If someone says, "Oh yeah, what is it?" It's like, "Oh yeah, it's a 10 mile." play loop you're like what's exciting about it? that's the way i experienced it when it was first mentioned to me and then i saw some images and it was it was actually kind of pretty but not a whole lot in scenery and for me you know when i first got there it was it was foggy so you're just kind of running out there not really knowing kind of where you're going but there was something very peaceful and tranquil about going out there and there were obviously other people out there but i ran for probably seven miles before i came across anyone and peacefulness and tranquility during the holiday season is not necessarily easy to find so you should relish the fact that you did true yeah yeah and um but you know for me it was i found it to be very enjoyable because I, I didn't bring any music with me so it was like there's nothing out there it's very quiet and you know it was a great time for me to kind of reflect on the past you know year in 2017 and also kind of look forward to 2018 and just kind of experience new things and for me that's kind of what i'm looking forward towards 2018 is just looking at new places to run and experiencing new adventures and just kind of taking it all in and just being open-minded about new experiences. Well, that's awesome. And it's a perfect setup for us for not just this episode, but really the two episodes that we'll do in January. But I have to say, before we get into the good work we're going to do in this broadcast, I owe you a public apology because I was traveling. Oh, yeah? Yes, I do. I was traveling as well as you know 
for the holidays. I was in northern Indiana where my in-laws and my mom is, and it was brutally cold. I know in the last episode I mentioned to you that you were belly aching yep. on yep. those occasions where you elected not to go outdoors. Well, and I will give myself due credit. There were three days in a row that I did get up and run. The temperature was somewhere between four and nine degrees with the feels like temperature being somewhere between zero and minus 12. The last day that I was there, the temperature was negative nine. The feels like inclusive of the wind chill was minus 25. Wow. And when I ultimately came to the conclusion, not today, I thought of you and I felt like I should have <laughs> never chided D2. So I'm sorry. Well, you're still much tougher than I am. I, I, I don't think I would have considered going out even in the teens. <laughs> well, I don't know. You might have been just for the novelty of it all. But I did think of you when I elected to bail on that particular run. But you mentioned earlier, D2, how you did a great job during the holidays of taking stock of 2017 and making those plans and making some assessments, even in your own mind, about what this year holds. And, and for sure, one of the things that's cool about early January is there's just no shortage of places where you can find information and, and even worthwhile advice about how to use the onset of a new year to change or transform perhaps your fitness routine or your commitment to healthy living, perhaps even weight loss. There's an abundance of available content on perspective improvement and wellness or how to sleep better. I believe there's all kinds of material that's released every year about this time on how to better manage stress or just engage in what might be referred to as purposeful living. There's just so much out there. And at Big Peach Running Company, we're certainly not going to apologize for being part of this tsunami of health-related prompting. We have a deep history. You know this, D2, for sure, that we have written plans for the future that more than prove this type of living is not a fad. It's not just a resolution that we make to ourselves or on behalf of our guests, and it's not just for the next few weeks. We have an internal expression, rightfully so, that represents both our patrons and our teammates and truly indicates who Big Peach is at its core. And it simply says and reminds us all, I believe, it's a lifestyle. And man, that is just so true. Every day, each week, all year long. So with this episode and with the second episode of 2018, we are going to bring you featured conversations of people we know who have lived that out. We're not going to give you all the information that you can find this time of year. Instead, we're going to give you the inspiration that we all need. We have two individuals, Tina Tate and Andrew Powell, who we've gotten to know really, really well over the previous years, and they've inspired us. They've inspired others. And now we believe this is a medium that along with all that information that's out there, for you to consume and ultimately take action on in the new year, this will accompany that so, so well. The inspiration that we've had the good fortune of coming to through them will soon be yours. We're going to take 
a brief break, but right after this, we will have our friend Tina Tate. We're not going to do a long introduction. We believe that she does that much better herself as part of her story, but do not go anywhere because she'll be with us right after this brief break. Do you hear that? The trails are calling and you must go. You deserve a runcation this spring, so why not join us on April 20th through the 22nd for this all-inclusive getaway designed for hikers, trail runners, mountain lovers, and outdoor enthusiasts alike. Experience a relaxing weekend full of trails, award-winning food, luxurious accommodations, local libations, and a great time with your Big Peach Running Company host. Whether you're a new or experienced trail runner, you'll have a great time. Go to bigpeachrunningcode.com forward slash spring dash break for all the details. Come on out and enjoy the trails. We'll take care of the rest. And welcome back to the Run ATL podcast. We have a real treat now, D2. We talk about what's your excuse and we talk about New Year's resolutions and sometimes Quite frankly, that can all sound so bland, but we are going to bring some genuine enthusiasm and accomplishment to that level of thinking right now at the onset. Our special guest, our featured conversation today, our friend Tina Tate is with us. Tina, hello and welcome to you. Hi, guys. It is so cool to have you here. As we uh, indicated in our introduction, we did not want to do a long introduction about who you are because we know who you are, we know your story, but for us, for Dave or for me to kind of do that would shortchange, I think, how people get to know you and even more importantly, what they can learn from you. So I'm just going to go ahead and kick this off, this little conversation that we're going to have thinking about the youth, the growing up and the setting the stage for who you are today. Give us a little bit of an idea of your background. Um, I grew up mostly in the 70s and 80s, and my father We can was, relate to that, D2. Yeah. Already, some commonality. Yeah, absolutely. My father was overweight as long as I can remember, um, so he was constantly dieting. My mother was constantly trying to help him, but we still had all that stuff that you have in the 70s in the house. We had a fridge full of Coke, we ate processed food, and we tried to be active, but we weren't that active it was you know that was when we started watching tv and um it was there were some great shows in the 70s and 80s that made it very difficult (laughs) and i can't comment on today's television quality but i have to believe it was better back then yeah and the second mtv came out i mean i sat there even more real videos yeah seriously and um so we just i kind of had a sedentary lifestyle and Food was a comfort for all of us. It was it was love from my grandma, my grandparents, my mother came from a huge family. And then, you know, I think it's, it's just sometimes in the genetics too. My dad fought it his whole life and I was kind of destined to be that way. Um, fourth grade is probably the, time, the first time I remember getting made fun of. And for just being fat, being different, I forget even. I know the kid's name. I still remember. (laughs) And, uh, but yeah, that's the first I remember like being called out as different, even though I knew I was. So, so let me share this with you because it is a full disclaimer to how Tina and I first became familiar with each other. Her sister, Laura, introduced me to Tina and she did so first via email. And she said, my sister is a regular at one of your stores, specifically in Decatur. 
and just is a real reflection of what we refer to as a pedestrian active lifestyle. So it's interesting for me to hear now, Tina, that there's somebody who you can recall in fourth grade who was making fun of you because of your maybe lack of activity, certainly your body type at that time. But yet when I was first introduced to you, it was someone who was referenced as incredibly active and obviously a regular in one of our stores, predictably, because the equipment and the mindset and the lifestyle was of interest to you. So taking us from fourth grade to maybe through those teenage years and early adulthood, you mentioned that the maybe lack of commitment to exercise and being totally mindful of your diet wasn't there. What was that time period in your life like without the total commitment, but recognizing that you may be on a path similar to your dad's? Yeah. I mean, there was a constant up and down. It was like, I would lose 40 pounds, gain 60. I would lose 80, gain, you know, a hundred. One time I lost a hundred and gained back 130. And this was all on my own diet, exercise, a lot of times fad diets, which never worked. I mean, they almost, they really almost made it worse. And I think, you know, in the end, that's what ended up killing my dad was the, all, the up and down more so than the, than him being obese. It's just hard on your heart. So, you know, that was constantly what we did. We dieted and then we, you know, binged and it became in college, like a serious problem of food addiction by then. And certainly by then I wasn't doing anything. I felt like I couldn't, I felt like I needed to hide in the house. I did, couldn't, you know, I didn't go out and walk. Everything, you know, was just, it was hard carrying around that weight. And I was for 11, 11 and a half and carrying, you know, at one time maximum 250 pounds. Well, and the reason I asked about that period of your life is because, and, and I knew, of course, what the answer might sound like, at least to some degree. And at the onset of a new year, I think there's so many. In fact, D2, there is research now that seemingly is published every year about the lessening percentage of Americans who even bother to make a resolution. And one of the primary reasons that is estimated for that reduction is because people are just sick of failing. And they elect not to do it again, meaning set a resolution, because they feel like they can already see what the result's going to be, and it's going to be dissatisfying. You obviously had those up and downs to a large degree, both figuratively and literally. And yet you decided, I'm going to keep setting this goal for myself. I'm going to keep putting that challenge out there. And eventually it stuck. Eventually it meant something and you were able to get past that. Help all of us, and especially those who right now are saying, not again. I'm not setting a resolution. I'm not making a commitment to my fitness routine. Again, I've done that. I've tried it, and it has not worked out. What would you say to those people and perhaps to all of us? I would kind of say you really don't have a choice. Like, you, in order to be healthy and stay alive, you have to do something. You just have to move no matter really what it is. Like, trying and trying again, stopping is not going to do anything. It really isn't. It's only going to make it worse. And the longer you stay in that void, the harder it is to flip the switch back on and get going again. And nobody wants to be sedentary for the rest of their life. Deep down, I'm sure not. Nobody wants to be trapped in their house or unable to wear clothes or unable to walk up a flight of stairs. I fundamentally believe that. And 
I mean, I can't tell you hundreds of times how I gave up. Um, I still think about when I did my first couch to 5K, which was, the, which was, you know, after I really started committing to being a runner, I gave up for two months because the first 20 minute run made me so sick. I couldn't physically think, yeah, sick. physically ill. Like I, I got physically sick after running 20 minutes and now I run for six hours, but that took years and years and years. And it just took, you know, stopping, starting, starting over. But the commitment always has to be there. You just, you just got to realize that the longer you wait, the harder it is going to be to keep going again. Well, and we can occasionally take a strong position. And I love what you said. You said you have no choice. And for every one of us, even if we're not willing to say, I'm going to do this for me, there's someone out there who really, really, really cares about you. Do it for them. You have no choice. And I know, and you've already referenced your father a couple of times, that there's a personal story there in his example to you. Maybe not with the storybook ending you would have liked, but obviously an indication that, my goodness, do I wish it would have been different because of how I felt about him? What would you say to that person who may not do it for him or herself, but has others that they may not be considering? What was it that you used to think about your own father that is now part of your story? I just think that um, he was 47 when he died. And I just look at when I was 47, which was, you know, just I just made it past 47. And that was a really big deal. But when you think about that in terms of how long we live now, that is so young. That is only half of your life. And why would you want to give up half your life to eat junk and sit around and watch TV? It's getting so much easier to do those things too. And I understand completely because I love it. I loved it. I don't love it anymore. <laughs> I've fundamentally changed how I think about fun. And it, it took a long time, but again, it was doing it over and over again. Well, and, and if we are honest, and, and, and you and I may share this, and although you didn't say it the same way I will, it peeves me that my dad is not here. He was a lifelong smoker. The number of times that I said, stop it, and it went ultimately on deaf ears, or it didn't stick, or there wasn't enough that could change the course. And then he died of esophageal cancer over five years ago now. And he was 70 in his 70s when he passed away. But the genetics he had on his side, his mom and his dad both had great genetics. I think about things that we don't talk about now relative to parenting or my business. And I'm peeved about it. I'm like, that was so preventable. Mm -hmm. and, and I know you share it. So do it for others. All right. So now I know that you are a coach with the Atlanta Track mm -hmm. Club. I know you have a slew of medals and finishes and accomplishments in and around what we call a pedestrian active lifestyle. Mm -hmm. Get us into your 20s. <laughs> now you're a young adult. Mm -hmm. There's so much going on. Yeah, um, I guess I had graduated from college and, or I graduated from high school, sorry, and um, started, I started college a little bit late, but I'm in those days, I went out and went dancing to clubs, like late, 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 stayed out eight, food at Denny's probably every single night and just started to get bigger and bigger. Yeah, I would do my old dancing thing, but then I would go to school all day and maybe ride my bike to school. And that's when stuff really started to get bad. And I started to get depressed because I couldn't do those things or I felt like a complete outcast. 
you know, trying to dress to like go out when you're a giant person at a dance club, things like that. It just, it just got worse and worse and I got more and more depressed. And then, so it's a real thing. I mean, on, on one hand or maybe in one hour, you're putting on clothes to go out and you're having what seems like it maybe just appearances of a good time. Mm-hmm. But then you are fully willing to acknowledge that once you're back home or once you're in class, you're not feeling like what you look like when you were out dancing and mm-hmm. just kind of hanging with your yeah. friends. It's pretty much as far as what my size, the space I took up was constantly a thing. That's all I ever thought about. And it's, I think that's what a lot of people feel. And a lot of people, like, when you tell people who've never been overweight about the pl- about a plane situation, like, seatbelts and, like, cramming in and trying to get on and off. And it just, you hear horror stories. I haven't had one that was awful, but luckily, but it was still one of the most awful experiences. And it's just, that just becomes unacceptable at some point, like, that you can't do something that you should be able to do. Well, and to be able to acknowledge it, I think there, we're all capable of this, and that is kidding ourselves, that we put on this front or we indulge in something that will be somewhat gratifying for however long. But then if we're really, really honest, we know something needs to change. Mm-hmm. What was it that ultimately that ended up being the case for you? Because there are way too many of us that continue to live out that front that's not really who we are and is completely unacknowledging of the change we already know is necessary. What became that catalyst for you to say, now is the time. I may fail again, but I will try. It may not go as I originally planned, but let's see what happens. It's funny. It was New Year's Eve, I think 2011 or 2012, I was sitting in my living room with my gorgeous friends and neighbors and they're all like cute and sitting around with their legs crossed and they have boots on. And I was in the highest, the pet, the biggest jeans I could possibly wear size 26s. I think they were, and they were literally cutting me in half and I was so uncomfortable. I couldn't breathe and I couldn't wait for them to leave. And I was like, I don't have any other choice at this point, but to like, not be able to wear clothes even in the big people's store, like to have to order clothes. I mean, again, to me, that was entirely unacceptable, even though I had passed many unacceptable stages. But now I was really out of options. And that's when I was, a friend of mine had had weight loss surgery and I saw her and not only did she look incredible, but I could totally see it in her face, like the difference. But her personality, yeah, her, her, her just face, how fresh just her she, energy, just everything. It was like, she was just like, this is the best thing I've ever done in my entire life without having to say it. And she was someone who had always been up and down. And so that's when I first just decided to kind of look into that as, and something that may be a way for me to at least get started. And I knew, I knew fundamentally that it was not like a magic pill like it or a magic thing. So, so let's talk about that because it's almost perfectly timed, okay. although completely unexpected. It's not like we had this conversation before D2 fired up the mark, but you talked about New Year's Eve, mm-hmm. end of 2011, 2012 is now on the horizon and you've elected perhaps after seeing this friend of yours to do something different. And specifically you mentioned the surgery. Yep. Tell us about that surgery and tell us then what changed for you. 
Well, I went to um, an evaluation. You know, they had a little seminar. Just started there just to get the information. You don't have to do anything right away. There's like, you don't have to sign up today. Nothing like that. And, you know, did a lot of thinking about it. And it's something that I knew that my dad would have done if they would have had it available when he was still alive. I knew fundamentally that he would have had it. And so basically, um, trying to get it done that same year, um, I was January, I was, uh, end of January. So it'll be five years this January. Yeah. January 29th. It'll be five years since I had it. And it was a vertical sleeve gastrectomy. It's called, um, it was very new at the time and it was for, uh, people who weren't really like had any comorbidities to um, being obese. Like I didn't have high blood pressure or I didn't have like polycystic ovaries or any of the horrible stuff that goes along with it. So they normally don't involve your intestine. This was like a lighter version of the surgery, basically a lesser version. And it was kind of experimental and they were saying that, you know, it's not, it might be not quite as effective as the full on gastric bypass. It's kind of tended for more, for people who are going to be more active and work harder at it you know, comes with the benefits of not having to take vitamins for the rest of your life and not being able to eat sugar again and things like that in moderation, of course. So yeah, I had the surgery and then I lost um, 130 pounds in 11 months after that. So you mentioned how it comes with at least a moderate level of expectation that you're going to be more consistently active. Yes. And being consistently active doesn't sound like it was a rich part of your own personal history up until that moment. Definitely not. I tried and tried. Like, I wanted to be a runner so bad. I would see people at yoga. I even went to yoga when I was 250 pounds. That's how hard I tried. And I would see people running and I'd be like, I want that to be me. I would go cheer on my friends at races and they would, I would see their faces at the finish line and I was like, I want that to be me. And in order for that to be me, I have to do what it takes to, to do that. Like, which is train. Those people just don't wake up and run a half marathon. Like they put in the effort and then they reach their goal. That's how it's supposed to work. So you obviously you have the surgery. Is that thinking now all of a sudden a catalyst going forward or had you always kind of thought that way that you just knew that it was going to absolutely require consistency, that it wasn't going to happen overnight. Was that new thinking for you or did you always kind of had that in the back of your mind? I knew that the surgery was going to give me the chance to do that was going to let me lose enough weight consistently to let myself get better and better and better and you know, just have some encouragement and not be doing the up and down and the back and forth. And also there was, you know, there was a financial part of that too. And, you know, like if I'm going to spend this much of my, my insurance covered a lot of it, but I still spend a good bit and sure. a lot of time and effort. And I was like, if I'm going to put this amount of time and I'm going to let someone cut me open to make myself a smaller stomach, but make myself in control of my eating, I'm not going to mess that up. Like, I'm just not like, I don't not going to be one of those people that fail. And there are a lot of people that fail. Well, and it's easy for us to say, well, what's your excuse and refer to that over and over again. We may also ask D2 when we talk about, well, excuses conquered here, what's your catalyst? And for you, it was the surgery as a place to start. But you also said to yourself, but then ultimately walked it out that you were going to remain 
committed that, mm-hmm. yep, you had invested the money, but my goodness, we all know it's January. Mm-hmm. There are gyms, there are personal training studios, there are personal trainers who are literally taking deposits to the bank right now with all the people who have the best intentions. But by February or the end of first quarter, that registration for the new gym, that class that you signed up that you thought you would do once or twice a week for the entire year, the rest of your life, you're not doing anymore. What is it that you did that made sure you were not one of those statistics, Tina? Well, um, it's funny because I signed up for the peach tree. <laughs> okay. So and that you signed up in March. <laughs> yes. 2012. Yeah. I love this. So let me just drag this out for a second. For those of you who need some accountability, people don't mention this as much as I think it needs to be mentioned. Yes, you need to register early for the AJC Peachtree Road Race because there are 60,000 slots and it sells out. So you have to register early if you want to get in. But what I think is the bigger benefit for all of us who are not sure we'll actually show up at the starting line is if we register in March, we can't change our mind in mid-June. We've already paid and hopefully we've already trained. And you obviously did just that. You signed up in March of 2012. So now kind of take us into what happens from there. Well, I was in the lottery because I wasn't a trap club member yet. So uh, that was that was something I couldn't have even dreamed of at the time. And uh, so I, I was like, okay, if I get in, I'm running this race and I'm signing up for the training program. And I got in and I knew it was meant to be because of that. So I went to Big Peach in Decatur and I got my first pair of shoes. And it was I was so surprised at how like nobody treated me any differently than anybody else in the store. Like I was 250 pounds and they were like, Talking about, they gave me some Brooks, which were, you know, a good sturdy shoe that I needed. And finally someone was just like, not surprised by the fact that I wanted to walk and or eventually run. And so that was kind of awesome. I was like, well, maybe these people aren't so bad after all. And then of course, first day of training, um, you know, track club does the Peachtree training in training for Peachtree every year. And, um, my first coach was Sam Benedict, who's a elite runner of men's masters. He's an amazing man. And he was with the walkers and he was like talking to me. And I can remember thinking, wait, they expect you to talk. <laughs> I was like, I can barely make it. Like he, he was the one that really kicked it off for me and like was with just with us, no matter how long it took us, no matter how much we were struggling to breathe and I kind of felt better going back knowing that there was going to be somebody there that I recognized that knew my situation already it wasn't going to be new to somebody that I was like a seriously new walker and I could barely breathe and I was trying to lose weight and so that became a really important thing to me and that's why I decided to do that with the track club eventually because it's just such an important part I had a mentor. Well, and there was so much there. And D2, you share a little bit of a story with Tina because I believe Big Peach Running Company and Decatur was part of your story as you recommitted yourself to your fitness routine. Yeah, that's true. As a matter of fact, you mentioned Sam and Sam was there. I think I signed up for the training program back in uh, 2010 and uh, or maybe it was 2009. But same thing. I had decided that I wanted to become a runner. I'd run off and on, but I was like, I've got more free time. I'm going to run and, and, you know, uh, get in better shape and make this a lifestyle choice. 
So I did go down to the store in, in uh, Indicator, Big Peach, and got fitted for shoes and started uh, running uh, uh, during their, their uh, weekly uh, group runs and then signed up uh, for the Peachtree in training because I'd done the Peachtree before, but always was, I never trained for it. Mm -hmm. I was always in pain afterwards and I'm going, never again, that's it, I'm not a runner. And I figured, okay, well, let me sign up. And, and, and go through this. And Sam was one of those coaches. And I do remember, I see him every once in a while and he remembers, he still remembers me and remembers, you know, how I kind of struggled. But now, you know, here he sees me kind of working for Big Peach and, and, and sees me now as a runner. Whereas back then I wouldn't even consider myself as a runner and very great coach. I mean, as you said, I mean, he was always kind of at the front of the pack uh, at ATC races and a very competitive runner. And, uh, great guy and uh yeah i do credit a, a, a bit of his mentoring and coaching that helped me kind of get um to motivate me to show up every saturday morning to go out and run and then commit to the 12-week training program and then get to this to the to that starting line and then complete it and going wow not only did that feel great i just saved a bunch of time and actually feel like I'm a runner now, where I wouldn't have considered that prior to that. And you should spend the rest of your day not in pain and enjoy the day, or the, not almost die on the walk back to your car, exactly. et cetera. So certainly very worthwhile and terrific plug for Sam. But what I would also ask that everybody here, when they listen to Tina and to Dave, and it's not just an audio ad for Big Peach Running Company or the Atlanta Track Clubs in training for Peachtree program, I would say that this is an umbrella that should not only cover our stores and that training program, but quite frankly, anywhere that you go, if you feel like you're out of shape, that you're overweight, that you're ill-qualified, that it's not yet your time, and they only make you feel that that is more true, you are in the wrong place. I will tell you, Tina, the courage that you show to walk into a specialty run store is awesome. And it's easy for us to say, we design our environments, we ensure our team, is meant to take all that intimidation and bury it. And that we are a welcoming place for that pedestrian active lifestyle, regardless of what your history is or if it hasn't even started yet. But we also know that's much easier said than done when we apply it to the entire community. But for those of you who right now, either it's you or someone who you know that is feeling that sense that I don't think I'll belong, if that ends up proving true, you're in the wrong spot. That should not be the case. You must show the courage that Tina did. Whether it's to walk into Big Peach Running Company, whether it's to register for a race, whether it's to kind of find a coach or a mentor, you've just got to take that level of courage and put it out there and see what happens. Here's one other thing that I'll mention about the Peachtree Road Race before I ask Tina her next question. And this is so cool. So Tina just told us that she just shows up and she signs up for the training program and says, I hope to walk or run it. We're not going to get into all the ac acumen that you have with your occupational calling, but Tina is a graphic design artist and is one of the past winners of the design of the AJC Peachtree Road Race Finishers Tee. Many people do not know, unless they've listened to our episode last year, D2, about how that comes together, but it's always someone who submits a design. It's not chosen by the track club exclusively. It's not done by a professional who does it year in and year out. It's out there for the public yeah. to have a chance to participate, and you were the one who won. Was that 2015? 16. 16. Yeah. So you've gone from somebody who's just a new sign-up, a new registrant, to someone who's so committed, they're submitting and ultimately winning the design contest. Yes, Coach Amy talked me into it. 
she said, submit a design, submit a design. And I finally did on the last, um, basically the last five minutes. <laughs> well, one of my, well, I have no idea how long it took. I would like to think that uh, that it was more than just a few minutes. No, it but was one of my favorite pictures of you, and I've seen a number of pictures and videos, is you at the finish with your finisher's tee, and then it being indicated that this is the person who has designed this. That was just a, a cool thing for me. That was something, Laura, your sister did not tell me that you also had that talent when oh, she was telling funny. me all about you. <laughs> So you go from that parking lot indicator to the end training for Peachtree, obviously the finish line that year in 2012. Yeah. Now you're dyed in the wool. You are a committed. Getting there. Getting there. Oh, come on. <laughs> you are there. So it's been five plus years since then. Mm -hmm. Your story is full of ups and downs, real setbacks. Give us a couple of things that kept you first on the path of moving ahead in one step in front of the other. And then I am going to ask you, about a couple of those setbacks that quite frankly are, are tragic. They're really, they're really heartbreaking for me as someone who just kind of listens in and gets to hear these stories, reads about them, sees them, hears them from others, like even from your sister. But I know it's part of who you are now and that you've not only made yourself better for it, but you've become a resource for others so they can do the same. But first, these five years that have gone by since then, what are some of the things that you would say have been those keys or those tips that you've heard and now practice along the way that have contributed to the success that you've had? Um, definitely the accountability of signing up for races. Um, for one thing, um, it's really the, the community and the friends that I've met and the accountability that I feel to go to practice every Saturday and then plan my weekday runs. And then, you know, you become such good friends with these people. You want to see them all the time. And, when you surround yourself with like-minded people, like the first thing on your agenda is the run, and then you go out to brunch. Like it's it's a really good balance, I think, as long as you know, it's opened up a whole new world to me, basically. And like my planning my workout is more my workout schedule is as fun as meal planning. You know, it's just like I get a kick out of being able to do all the different types of things, like yoga and running and. Um, I'm just lucky that I've filled my time with that instead of sitting on the couch smoking cigarettes and watching HGTV and wishing I was somebody else. So you mentioned accountability. Mm -hmm. Here's what I believe is true, and you're welcome to refute this. But when you first started, you were probably heavy, heavy, heavy on needing the accountability. We all still do. But my guess is now you are also that accountability partner where you're giving it back and holding others to it. Yes. What is it that you would say to everybody right now who might need that accountability partner or knows they need accountability as they launch themselves into this new year? I would say like, think about what is the worst that could happen? Like what is the worst possible result? It cannot be that bad. Just even go tell yourself you'll get as far as going to sit in the car. Tell yourself you'll give yourself one minute on the treadmill. And if you don't feel like you can do it, then you can stop. But chances are pretty much that you're going to keep going and then it's going to start to get addictive. You're going to realize how much energy you have very, very quickly within days of starting to get that going again. Just even the breathing from a walk, it can be as simple as that. It doesn't have to be anything complicated at all. Um, you know, I think I started out walking like Two blocks was probably a big deal for me in the very beginning. Mm -hmm. And then I would like just go to another, you know, 
stoplight or another fire hydrant. I still have ones that I touch along the way. And it, it, was, it was just a constant progression. And sure, I didn't always feel like doing it, but most of the time when I finally got out there or got dressed, it felt great. I never regretted it. So you use the phrase along the way. And one of the things that I know and I know about you and, and your story is it would be easy to say, well, the challenges are just adopting a new lifestyle and getting involved in your fitness and your nutrition and your lifestyle choices that are totally new in it, the onset, very foreign. But I also know those were not the only challenges that you had, that setbacks showed up in a big way and obstacles now all of a sudden appear that you wouldn't have anticipated, no matter how much difficulty you knew was just going to be part of that journey. Without trying to sensationalize your story or what have you, but instead to give our listeners a true understanding that you don't know what's around the bend, but that as you make commitments to be ready to take on anything and ultimately get through, again, for your sake and the sake of others, give us some sense of what happened as we've gone through these last five years from when you first got started to where you are today and in a position to inspire me and D2 and others for sure. Yeah. Well, you know, so everybody has, you know, their challenges of, you know, losing job. I had a horrible commute, which was one of my biggest excuses for eating terrible. Um, but then, of course, the big one happened. Um, my husband passed away uh, about a year and a half ago in July of last year. And I was halfway through training for New York City Marathon, and I was part of a charity team. I was going to go run the race. First marathon, I believe. First second. full? Oh, second, second full. full. Right on. I had done the flying pig the year before. Okay. And um, I had, you know, everybody says they're never going to run a mar another marathon again. And then, like, someone said, oh, we have a chance to do New York. And, of course, it was like a dream come true, you know, for me. I had never envisioned that was something I could even do. So, again, I ramped up the training schedule and was you know, being a coach for the full marathon training program and had a lot of people depending on me. And I had that to get up and go back to like, I don't, I don't have kids. I have two dogs and I can't imagine having gotten up that Saturday and not having gone to do what I normally do. Like, and I also cannot imagine, and I just thinking about this today on my way here, that that was probably my biggest point is that the fact that I was prepared and as strong as I was when this happened is the only thing that got me through it. I can promise you that. I had made great relationships, built solid friendships, and I was just super strong and super dedicated. And I was, I was in great shape physically and emotionally, and I cannot preach that enough because I didn't think I was going to need to be that way at 45, you know? Nobody does. Well, in D2, this is a theme that seems to come across when we talk to individuals who have real setbacks and real challenges and ones that for many of us are just unrelatable, that what you did yesterday, what you do today, ends up having a real impact on how you're able to manage tomorrow. And you are, are obviously living proof of that. So your husband, in completely unexpected fashion, passes away. Mm -hmm. And yet at the same time, you have these targets you've set for yourself. I think it's really common, even if the target's not as sizable as finishing the New York City Marathon, 
and the tragedy is not nearly as substantial as losing a loved one, that they find themselves in the middle of what they want to make happen and what they want to make go away. How do you balance that? How do you get past that? How do you straddle both of those considerations? Uh, you just have to find a way no matter what your situation is. And your situation might not always be the same. Don't look at it like something that has to be forever. And also little things add up to a lot. Like I really, at the end of the day, only lost about two pounds a week. And it added up really, really quick. Like when you look at the pictures and, you know, and I wasn't always perfect either. Like if, I would, in my old life, I would think I had ruined a day by having something for breakfast that was bad. And if I looked at it and I logged all my calories and I was like, you totally didn't ruin this day. As long as you're sensible for the rest of the day, you can, you can have that like once in a while. And that's like a, that's a light bulb. Like it doesn't have to be torturous and it doesn't have to be forever. It can be something you love and it can end up being a really good balance. Well, and I think that's important and without sounding like we're just pulling from the Bible or what have you, grace and truth, where you knew what you were doing, you had done enough studying of what you wanted to have happen and what was going to be required. At the same time, you gave yourself both grace and permission to do things that might at the onset seem contrary to what you were achieving or hoping to achieve. But at the end of the day, the target was bigger than one choice. Mm -hmm. You were out to win a war, not just claim victory in every battle. Yes, and you don't have to win everything. You don't have to win every time. It's, you know, we all have times where we are just going to give in and it's totally fine. And sometimes you skip a workout and sometimes you eat a donut. And you know what? It's, it's, you, that's the hardest part for me is trying to find that balance because the day before my husband died, I had given up carbs. I was worried that I was like sliding back up towards, you know, I was gaining weight marathon training, which is completely unfair, but it happens. And I was really being careful with the carbs and I got to the point where I was seeing black spots on my long run and I ate an English muffin. And that just set the stage for the whole rest of the day. It was a day filled with debauchery and we, had, <laughs> we went to the bar, we hung out, we woke up in the guest room, ate all day. It was just a fun day. And the day after was the day my husband died. So I was like, if I, was, if I hadn't had that English muffin that day, would I have been horrible person all day and maybe not even talk to him and so it's like it's it's really that's the of trying to kind of just live for the moment at the same time taking in all these good habits that I've taught myself and trying not to go off the rails well and, and I know you know this and this is something that I think is worth saying and and perhaps for many repeating and that is you know how proud your husband is and would be of you and to have that confidence in such a tragic part of who you are now, my goodness, just think for all of us who have people who are, whether they're looking down on us or part of our life right now, that will be there to evaluate what we're doing. Isn't that not reason alone to continuously pursue, not always make, not always achieve, but to pursue better choices? So Tina, you mentioned pictures of you and what we'll certainly do in the show notes is put some things that we have access to so people can celebrate with us and with you the difference in some of the early stage pictures and, and who you are today. But I also will absolutely 
be sure to include the video from the Today Show. Excellent. It is one of my favorites. We have the good fortune, D2 and I, of seeing things and hearing stories. It's what makes this so much fun. I have the best job on the planet. I don't apologize to anyone for how much fun I get to have. And a big reason for that is the stories we hear, the stories we get to be a part of, the journeys we get to help guide and, and maybe come alongside. Yours is one of my favorite of all time. So instead of letting me set it up or letting the show notes try to do it justice, give us a sense of how that great video came together and helps us celebrate not just what you've done, but what you'll continue to do. Sure. A couple of years ago, I, I, I really would like to write a book. That's kind of my ultimate goal. So a couple awesome. of years ago, I printed out Put us on the list for an early book. copy. Put... Um, printed out my whole blog and read the whole thing. And I realized I had referenced Al Roker in my blog twice, which I thought So tell us about your blog. I um, love the term. It used to be called Fat, Fat Girl Dives In, yes. but now it's called Fatathon <laughs> because it's sort of like a fat to, fat to marathon journey, but also like a marathon of me talking about my journey. So, you know. That'll be in the show notes as well. So <laughs> fear not, we will get you connected with that good information. I've been terrible about blogging because I've been trying to write. But anyway, um, I real I had blogged about Al twice, who was my hero, and he had run the New York Marathon and run Chicago after surgery, similar after, to you. Yeah, he had he had the um, gastric bypass a few years before me, and he had done such an amazing job. And as I say in the video, he had to get up at four in the morning and he still was on his treadmill. He had to train for the marathon. No matter how rich and famous you are, you still have to put in the effort. Like no one can do that for you. And so he finished and I just thought that that was the most amazing thing. And so I was totally inspired by the blog about it. And then here it is years later, I have the chance to go to New York. And I'm like, I want to be on the Today Show. I want to meet Al Roker. So I just put a little video out on my blog and someone helped me edit it. It, was, it turned out really good and someone picked up on it within, um, probably within a day, within my network of friends who are all awesome, um, got it to a producer and two days later they were down here filming my story and it was a full day of filming. Um, it was so fun. So then, I mean, literally a few days before the race and then we get to New York run the race. Um, my, our marketing director for the track club did a wonderful finish line video. And right after that, we were all in a hurry to get all the video uploaded to NBC because they were going to air my story. And that was going to be the end of the story. And they said that they would like me to come by in the morning and have a studio tour. And so all my friends and I slept to the plaza on metal Monday, the day after the race and our jackets and our medals. And it's time for me to go in and get my tour. And just sitting in the little green room and all of a sudden my story comes on the TV and I'm watching my story and not even paying attention. And they walk in and Al comes in with the cameras and surprises me and hugs with Al. And it was just one of the most incredible experiences of my entire life. Like not only did I finish run and finish New York city marathon within the finishing time, but <laughs> Like, here I am at the Today Show, and, like, the people I was running into, like, in the hallways, like, Fern Yip and Kathy Lee Gifford, and, like, you know, all just, it, it was just a wonderful experience, and it was really hard to come home after that. I was like, can I just stay here and have my own show? 
<laughs> well, I think that may be what's next for you. I will tell you, it is such a heartwarming video to watch. But more importantly, D2, I know you share these sentiments. Your life is heartwarming Thank and you. it is so encouraging. And at a time, especially this time of year, when we all need that, where sometimes our plans are bigger in our mind than what we know how to activate in our life. You give us real indication, one step at a time, it can happen. You started out with a fourth grader's name who you can still recall mm -hmm. saying unsavory things about you and who you were. We finished this broadcast by promising to put that video in our show notes. And Al Roker, who was an inspiration to you, congratulating you for what you did. Again, I know your husband, I know your dad, both are incredibly proud. And I think I speak for Dave in saying, I am super proud to know you. And we love the fact that we get to share you with others. So thanks for being part of this. I look forward to seeing what 2018 brings for you. I know it will be awesome. And with that, we will go to a quick break. Do not go anywhere. We'll be right back on the Run ATL podcast. Running doesn't have to be hard and injuries don't have to be a part of your running experience. Learn how to run better through Big Peach Running Company's Transform Running Workshops. In this three-hour session, you'll learn three simple elements that not only improve your form, but also reduce the chances of injury, allowing you to run faster and make running more enjoyable. Sign up at BigPeachRunningCo.com and become the runner you've always thought you could be. Welcome back to the Run ATL Podcast. D2 transformation is possible. I think Tina showed us that very clearly, has lived it out. And for anyone who is curious, maybe even hesitant about whether 2018 could be the year that he or she has transformation, has change, gets a real return on the investment they're considering right now. I believe that was clear indication it could happen. This could very well be the time. And one of the things that, of course, you know all so well already and that we referenced in our conversation with Tina is the campaign that we launched last year, What's Your Excuse? And I think that may be one of those timeless questions in a campaign for us and for Big Peach Running Company. I'm going to mention it again. What's your excuse for all of us, for all of our listeners? Wrestle with that question. We have them. We know excuses are out there and they attempt to derail us all the time. What's your excuse? But what I think Tina demonstrated as well is the fact that the time could be now. The opportunity is here. We have the ability to say 2018 excuses are conquered this year for sure. Anything that you might share with us as a way to further reinforce that mindset? Yeah, I mean, I think one of the things that uh, Tina kind of demonstrated is that, you know, for her, she made up her mind of what she wanted to become. 
and she used these little steps, these goals in place to kind of get her to where she's, uh, you know, what she wants to do and what she wants to become. And, you know, some of those are, are you know, you may say oh, it's, it's a vision. She's projected a vision. She has a vision for what she wants to, to be and what she wants to, you know, how she wants to live and the steps she takes along the way, whether it's, you know, a, a, a race, a 5K, a 10K, a half marathon, marathon, those are goals that help her achieve that vision. And that's one of the reasons I personally do not, uh, do, you know, resolutions because for me, very similar to Tina, I have this vision of what I want to, to be. I want to be healthy. I want to have, a, you know, a, live a, a lifestyle, an active lifestyle. And, and what I do through my training is, is, is in an effort to achieve that vision. So I don't put necessarily time goals. I, I, I have goals to help me achieve that vision and the process along the way to make sure that I you know, in 20, 30, 40 years from now, that I'm still healthy, that I'm still active, that I'm still able to, you know, do the things that I want to do. And I think that's kind of what Tina has kind of demonstrated and that she's, she's done. You have to see the forest through the trees and D2 and I have encouraged you time and again to take a look at this video. For those of you who need the refresher or who are new to the Run ATL podcast, we'll certainly include the link in our show notes. D2, thank you again for being part of this. We have more inspiration to share in the next episode. We'll have Andrew A.P. Powell with us. That will be good fun. Our efforts to ensure that all of us get the most out of our 2018 are by no way concluded as we say goodbye today. But as we always say and certainly mean, We'll be back in just a couple of weeks, but in the meantime, may your best miles be those covered on foot.